barbecue. Barbecue ginger. Start the game. Let's go. We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Big Barbecue Central Show. This is a show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. Originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rippey. Happy to have you right here on your Tuesday's live fire fun and frivolity show. If tonight is the night, we're close to Christmas, we're in the midst of Hanukkah, various other holidays abound, and you want to jump in on the show tonight, although I know you won't, here's how you do it. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, said BBQ Central Show. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening coming up in about 12 minutes from now. He is the third Tuesday of the month regular guest. We missed him last month, but that was on me because of Rodney Scott. He is rejoining us this month right at the tail end of 2020. Stephen Reichlin from Barbecue Bible joins us, host of Project Fire, author of many, many, many live fire cooking books. The list goes on. Stephen will be back. And we'll talk a little bit of Thanksgiving since we missed him last month. We'll talk about what he's doing in the midst of Hanukkah. He is an observer of that holiday. And then we'll see if he doubles down next week for Christmas. Also, we'll be talking about gifts for the live fire loved one in your life. And we'll also talk about the 2020 top live fire trends that emerged this year. And we'll also get his predictions for the 2021. So we'll see how that goes. Then we'll move to 35 past the hour. He was on the show about three plus years ago. And within that mere appearance alone, garnered him into the inaugural class of the Barbecue Central Show Guest Hall of Fame. He is a college football expert, covering it professionally for the athletic. Previous to that, Sports Illustrated, Andy Staples rejoins the show. If you follow me on Twitter, you know that, I mean, you would have to follow me fairly and depthly regularly. The Cleveland Browns are in season. There's an NFL thing happening. Oh, I don't even know if I really want to get into it. Anyway. I made a bet with Andy that the Browns would have five or less wins this season. Regardless of what you want to talk about, talent and coaching and blah. I said five or less. And he immediately took that bet. We laid down the winner getting the other one or the the winner getting a brisket from the loser. And about three weeks ago, the, the, uh, Browns blew past five wins, and I immediately shipped out a Wagyu Wylara brisket from the butcher shop, which I paid for, to Andy Staples, who summarily turned right around and cooked it, posted pictures on the tweeter. It was great back and forth, so I asked if he would come back on. We could recap the bet, talk a little college football, talk a little bit of Browns football from last night as they lost a nail-biter to the Ravens. Unbelievable. And we'll also talk about maybe the top 10 barbecue campuses in the South. That was a list that was just recently released by Robert Moss, who was part of the Barbecue Hall of Fame Names Nominating Committee. 
That'll do it for your first hour. Then we'll move to the second hour, 14 past, because it is a third Tuesday. Robin Lindars from GrillGirl.com will join me, and who knows what we're going to be tackling tonight. I mean, I know I have an agenda set, but you know, Robin, a little bit of a loose cannon, and I mean that in all of the best ways possible. I always get tremendous email about her appearances, so we are locked and loaded. Uh, depending on when Robin and I finish up, have a little leftover with you guys if you want to jump in and give me some of your favorite points of the year. We might start to broach that as well. We have a huge two-week endeavor starting next week as we begin to recap 2020 and do a best of 2020, so it's going to be great. So stay tuned all the way through the end of the year. Don't forget you can follow me socially, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and the Snappers at BBQ Central Show, slash BBQ Central Show, Facebook and Twitch, and slash RD Rempe on YouTube. The latter three are where you can find a video of this. You can also get an audio feed on the main website under audio only. Originally, I was going to remake the plea here at the top for those who asked for those face masks that I had that were branded Barbecue Central Show to send pics in because the mail taking forever. However, today, almost two weeks later, they appear to all hit at the same time, so... Let me make sure that I am keeping up my end of the bargain here and showing the proper pictures as we blow it out. First up is uh, my parents, Bill and Connie Rempe, safe right there, Barbecue Central Show. Now, I uh, will push in just a little bit so you see you got nice branding left and right side right here. So uh, those are my parents there. And then... Of course, the unofficial slash official Colorado embedded correspondent, Dennis Busso, giving us a nice shot right here. You can see the Barbecue Central Show logo. There's a matching one right over here on his right side. And then we have none other than the host of Barbecue and Baseball, Len Aberman, sending in a picture. This guy's hot as they come. What I appreciate most about Len and this picture is he has gone GQ slash pro model in his approach. So you have full torso shot, but he's kind of turned like Horatio Kane from uh, CSI Miami. And then he's not looking directly at the camera. He's looking off into the barbecue and baseball distance, as it were. But again, if you were wondering how it looks, we'll push in on Len. He's a handsome man. He's got a great head of hair, by the way. Congratulations on having all your hair still, Len. Great. The things that I'm hearing the most about the mask fits great like a glove. You have an extra spot on the inside that you can't see for an extra filter if you want to put it in there. Just underneath the chin here, if you have a big fat chin, it will accommodate that. Luckily, nobody that I have shown you has a big fat chin, so you don't have to worry about that. And then the straps behind the ears are also adjustable, which is very nice and very comfortable. So you can get that customized feel and fit and finish if you're so inclined. So I don't have any more going out at this point. And I don't have any more coming in on order at this point, but... If I do another run and you're interested, listen to the show, listen proactively, and then send me a note. And if I have them for you, I will send them to you. Also, want to give a special shout out to none other than the bad Jew, Rebecca King, sending me a sticker right here. Actually, she sent me a pair, but more importantly, and they just showed up in the mail today. A sweatshirt and a long sleeve t-shirt. By the way, a lot of you pre-show were noticing the long sleeve Barbecue Central Show shirts. These are not for sale. I made them myself. Uh, and by made, I mean I bought them myself. But she sent me a The Bad Jew long sleeve tee and a long, well, I, of course it would be a long sleeve sweatshirt, but a sweatshirt as well. So very excited to showcase The Bad Jew gear next week. It just hit a little too late here in the day and already had my outfit picked out for the show this evening. Some listener feedback from the show last week. Tim in Texas. Greg, why would you think that sharing the gory details 
of your ear surgery is something we would find interesting. It's gross. It's grosser than the McRib. Few things, Tim, are grosser than the McRib. I perhaps have a fault on oversharing things that I think you might find interesting, especially when it relates to me. I'm your humble host. If I'm not in A-OK shape, things could go south quickly for the show. Paul in Rhode Island wrote in, Greg, I thought Ed from B&B was an incredible first-time guest. He was very knowledgeable about the charcoal, of course, but I had no idea the company had been around since the 60s. I figured everyone besides Kingsford and Royal Oak had only been on the scene in recent years, like 10 or less. I look forward to his next interview. Right. Plenty of other stuff to get to. Thank you for writing in. If you're compelled to write in because you've heard something on a show to let me know how you feel, please do that. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Speaking of B&B Charcoal, I will tell you about them right now. First of all, the website, if you want to check out their products, bbcharcoal.com. That's bbcharcoal.com. Last week, we talked a lot about lump charcoal with Ed Riley. We talked a lot about briquette charcoal and the instances on when you would want to use those. Overnight cooks, if you want consistent temperature, if you want things that you can bank on. If you want the use of the entire bag of charcoal, briquettes are probably going to be a little bit more up your alley. Now, if you're like me, you can deal with a little inconsistency, but you like the higher heat that the lump is going to give you. That's good. If you like not having hardly any ash, then lump is going to be up your alley. If you want to get into that 8 to 1200 degree range, Lump is going to be up your alley. Once again, you can check them both out at bbcharcoal.com. And as far as buying is concerned, as he told us, your local Ace, if they don't have it in store, you can go online. They keep it in their national warehouses, and then they will ship it to your Ace store. If you have an Ace by you like I do, much like we've talked about in the past about forming a relationship with a butcher that might be in your town, form a relationship with the manager at your local Ace. I did it with mine, and she actually brought in products that she wasn't going to stock at all, just for me. I said, look, I know what I'm talking about, lady, and B&B charcoal is where it's at. So let's start loading up on the char log, and let's start loading up on the competition briquettes, and you're going to see a whole new revenue stream rolling through this local Ace hardware she bought in, and now it's widely available. It's great stuff. BBCharcoal.com. That's BBCharcoal.com. You can review everything that they have on their products portfolio, including with our next conversation of Ed Riley. Pellets. Everybody's getting into the pellet game. Pellet cookers are the thing and continue to be the thing and will be a thing again in 2021. We're back with none other than Stephen Reichlin coming up out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. This portion of the show being brought to you by Butcher Barbecue, makers of award-winning injections, marinades, rubs, seasonings, barbecue sauces, grilling oils. All of Butcher Barbecue products have been tested on the competition circuit as well as backyards like mine and across the world. Be the pitmaster of your neighborhood. And visit ButcherBBQ.com to stock up now. Always trust your butcher. Central Lights, it is the third Tuesday of the month, and you know what that means. They visit with a host of TV shows. The creator and host of the very popular project Fire on PBS host and author of the most popular barbecue and grilling books in the history of barbecue and grilling books, and most importantly, friend of this show, Stephen Reichlin. Hey, Stephen. How you doing? I am doing very well, and it's great to have you back in the saddle again. Uh, you 
graciously gave way last month to Rodney Scott, who I know you're very familiar with, and we had a great interview with him. You know, what's funny is he was featured in one of those four or five episodes of the Chef's Table Barbecue Edition, and I watched all of them, and they were very entertaining, but his, I found a a particular kinship to, so as I was watching it, I was taking notes and wondering, well, why didn't they follow up on this portion, or why didn't they follow up on that portion? So landing him last month, I was almost allowed to do my own re-documentary on some of the the finer points. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you know you've you've watched something that you have liked, and then found yourself with an ability to actually talk with that person and and delve further into that whole thing? Are you speaking to me? I'm sorry, I lost you for yes. a couple of minutes. Yeah. Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, one great example of that, there's a professor at Harvard University named Richard Wrangham. He wrote a book called Catching Fire, which uh, in effect basically says that uh, human evolution, human civilization, everything we became as we left from brute apes to intelligent, articulate men began over uh, with, with cooking over live fire. In other words, began with barbecue. And I read his book, I followed his thinking, and I found myself uh, giving a lecture at his invitation at Harvard and then having dinner with him in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And it was a, a fabulous experience. Stephen Reichland joining us here on the show. So how was Thanksgiving for you? Were you the, uh, the outdoor live fire master of like turkeys and stuff like that? Or you do something outside of the box this year? I'm sure the gathering was small like most people's were. Uh, it, it was weird and sad. Uh, we didn't have a family dinner. It was just actually Thanksgiving with my wife and I. Uh, but I cooked a, uh, a beautiful 12-pound heritage turkey on my wood-burning rotisserie. Uh, and then I just, just then dispatched, uh, you know, some of it to uh, my daughter and some of it to, to, to friends. Uh, but, you know, we gave fa- thanks for the fact that everybody was healthy. Uh, and that, um, you know, we could enjoy it at a distance. And I got to tell you, that wood rotisserie turkey was absolutely amazing. But it was sad. It was a sad sad Thanksgiving this year. In as many weeks, you have, uh, again, brought up Heritage Turkey. I talked with George Motes uh, last week, who was obviously the the hamburger know-it-all of the universe. And he had mentioned he had done, it was a ridiculous size, 25 or 27 pounds. But again, heritage breed turkey. So uh, tell me a little bit more about where this is coming from because it's something I've never heard of. And then last year, right about Thanksgiving time, uh, uh, Jeremy Umansky at Larder, who you know, uh, had mentioned that there's a purveyor of heritage breed turkeys on the west side of Cleveland and that if I ever have the opportunity, and they were sold out, of course, uh, by the time I had learned about it, to get one. And he said, there is such a huge taste difference it will be shocking and well worth the 6 or $7 a pound that you'll pay. Absolutely. So in a nutshell, if you go back 100 years, um, there were many, many different breeds of turkeys. There were many, many different breeds of cows, of lambs, of vegetables for that matter. People grew local, uh, raised local animals with very specific flavors, uh, animals and vegetables were raised more for their flavor, less for their size. Uh, Fast forward today with uh, industrial agriculture and animals are raised to get, give you the most meat in the least amount of time and what you sacrifice is flavor. So these heirloom birds, I mean, they even look different. You know, this turkey had big long legs and it had a very small breast. We raise our industrial turkeys to have monstrous breasts. Uh, uh, the taste that it was, it was, it was a little firmer. Uh, the flavor just went on forever. And I did a very simple preparation. I just did a dry brine with salt and pepper. I mean, no, uh, you, you know, there was wood smoke coming from the wood fire, but I did not smoke the bird. I really wanted to keep that flavor uh, in place. And um, we try and do that. We try and do it with our vegetables. We try and do it with our meats. Um, even with something like seafood, uh, you know. We get salmon when wild salmon is in season, and we're not interested. We don't need to eat salmon all year long, 
like the expense of having it come from farms in South America. Uh, we'd rather eat good old American Pacific Northwest wild salmon for the four months as it's season and then eat something else when it's not. So I will come down off my soapbox, but that's heritage turkey. If if we can just expand one second on the flavor of the turkey, is it turkey flavor, but in a more profound and rich way, or is it a a different turkey flavor altogether? Turkey flavor in a more profound, rich uh, flavor. I don't know if you remember the episode where, with Julia Child where she was talking about the French breast chicken, which is the most famous chicken in France, and she said, it just tasted chickeny. And I guess what I would say of this is it did not taste of, you know, a lot of uh, inexpensive uh, industrial turkeys are pre-brined or they're, uh, they're injected with brine. So what you're tasting is salt, water, sometimes oil, sometimes margarine. This tasted of turkey. I mean, it was, it had the kind of rich flavor that wild game does as opposed to, let's say, uh, you know, uh, wild boar as opposed to uh, pork or venison as opposed to beef. Uh, we're in the middle of some uh, of, of a really big Jewish holiday, of course, Hanukkah, and then we have Christmas coming up uh, a week from Thursday, or I guess it's a week from Friday uh, for the for that day specifically. Uh, we've been talking a lot this month about rib roast or beef roast because a lot of people will do the turkey for Thanksgiving and then they'll go some kind of a rib roast for Christmas. Um, from a, a Hanukkah standpoint, what are your usual traditions i'm sure once again like thanksgiving it looks a little different this year but uh, you know what do you find from a culinary standpoint that you go to every year and then is there anything outside of the box this year that you're trying because i know you're you're both a traditionalist and an iconoclast at the same time okay well the 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 quintessential uh food hanukkah food at least for european jews descended from european sense Jews from Central Europe are latkes, which are potato pancakes. They're fried in oil. Uh, you said we we make them with uh, organic Yukon gold potatoes, mm. grated with uh, with onion, uh, held together with matzah meal, leavened with baking powder. Uh, we fry them in extra virgin olive oil. This is a holiday where you celebrate oil because what happened, Hanukkah celebrates a miracle that took place uh, a little over, you know, about 2,500 years ago where uh, the holy temple in Jerusalem was desecrated by uh, a people that wanted to uh, destroy the Jews and destroy Judaism. And a small group of uh, Jewish guerrilla fighters managed to uh, win victory over the invaders. When they got into the temple, they reconsecrated it. Normally there's a, a holy lamp that burns with oil. Uh, there was enough, a little tiny bottle of oil that was unbroken enough just for one night, but that oil, lo and behold, burned for eight nights in a row. So we light candles for eight nights in a row, or we light oil. We celebrate with foods that are fried in oil, hence frying the potatoes uh, in oil. This year we were strictly traditional. However, in the past, I have cooked the latkes on a plancha, on my charcoal burning grill, adding a handful of wood chips to the fire. So I smoke the latkes as well as uh, grill the potato latkes. Uh, smoke potato latkes, you heard about it here first, great. We serve it with homemade applesauce. Uh, my wife has a little secret there. She adds vanilla extract to the applesauce. If you've never tried it, totally amazing. And sour cream, and that is pure bliss. That's uh, pure bliss in a pancake. So that's coming to an end on the 18th. Will you celebrate at all uh, next week for Christmas, or are you guys uh, strictly Hanukkah celebrators? Well, this is this is a tough holiday for Christmas because normally Jewish people go to Chinese restaurants, and we have uh, a, we go to a movie and then a fabulous what? Chinese restaurant on right. uh, Christmas, Christmas Day, and you know that everybody at the Chinese restaurant is going to be Jewish. So it's uh, it's really fun. But of course, we're not eating inside uh, indoors in restaurants. I think what we're going to do normally we do make a a prime rib, uh, and very often I'll smoke it or I'll spit roast it over wood. This year, we're going to get one prime rib steak, grill it over wood. My wife and I will share that. All right, so we have a week and a half left for Christmas. Um, and for the folks that might be looking for a 
really last minute gift and uh, the way shipping has been going this year it's it's been unbelievable things have been on their way to people from me to them for what seems like a month and it just never seems to get there but if let's throw that off to the side for a moment are there some things that you would recommend i'm sure this is a question you're asked about this time of year what should i get my husband or my wife they're the grill master they're the pit master uh, things that you would like to see under your tree or in your house for this holiday season well, first of all, what I would like to see under the tree or the menorah for everybody are obviously my books, uh, my uh, Project Smoke Spice Rubs and Barbecue Sauces. Uh, in lieu of coal in that stocking, I would like to see my uh, Project Smoke Applewood Chunks and Cherrywood Chunks. But I don't want to make this solely a commercial for Stephen Reichland. So let me tell you a couple of things that we had uh, on our holiday gift list for uh, on Barbecue Bible dot com and number one is a knife that i really love it's called a nakiri you'll watch me using in the project fire tv show uh it looks like a cleaver but it's longer uh than a cleaver and sort of less wide than a cleaver it's a fantastic uh chopping knife uh and i just love the way it feels in my hand and we uh, recommend the one made by shun Yep, that's it right there. Uh, you can see the hammered steel. So that's really fun. Uh, let's see. We talked about a plancher for cooking the uh, uh, the latkes earlier. We recommend a large cast iron uh, griddle. Uh, we uh, recommend any of the skazillion wireless. Oh, boy. Check, check. Hello. Anybody? Anyone? Anybody around here, ladies and gentlemen? Anybody around here? What? I know. Steven, he's gone. Am I gone? Internet looks to be on. I hope he didn't ax himself. He hit the eject button, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I hope this is not a sign. Oh, there he is. He's back. Steven. Japanese Wagyu beef imported from uh, Japan, sold by Crowd Cow. This is ex- th- this is this is beef so richly marbled that if you look at it, imagine white lace laid over a red tablecloth. Mm. It is more fat than beef, but you grill it quickly, ideally on a plancha, and you put it on your tongue, and it melts like a beef flavored um, uh, snowflake. <laughs> Not inexpensive, but uh, extremely exquisite. So the, some of the, those are uh, a few of the items that, you know, I would recommend for holiday gift giving. Uh, they're all available on Amazon. And as far as I know, Amazon is about as efficient as Santa for getting their, things there on time. Uh, the, uh, the wireless thermometer that you had on the list, uh-huh. can, I don't know if you can talk uh, like in general terms here, but I'm, I'm fascinated by, I think that this conceptually is going to be the next big movement for uh, remote thermometering of, of foods. Uh, there was the meter, I think, was the like initial one. It had an incredible yeah. success on the, the fun pages and all this stuff, but took forever to really start to roll out. Then I didn't really hear too many good things initially. And now I'm starting to see more, maybe two or three different other ones that are popping up. So uh, mm-hmm. From your experience, uh, how are they performing, and do you think that it's more of a gimmick still uh, versus a tried and true, or are they becoming much more uh, reliable? Uh, well, let me give you an example. And uh, I mean, actually, I've used three of them, at least three. I've used uh, Yumly, I've used Meter, I've used the Maverick uh, Steak, and Imagine that there is a grill master who is spit roasting a heritage turkey uh, on a wood-burning rotisserie. And if he were to use a conventional thermometer that had a wire on it as that turkey's going round and round, he'd wind up with a big tangle. Uh, But if he were to use a wireless meat thermometer, he'd be able to monitor the internal temperature uh, on his cell phone without worrying about wires. So that's exactly uh, what I did. I think they're great. You know, like any electronic, uh, they're going to get better. Uh, I think the, uh, the, the range, I don't you know, the range will get better. Uh, the battery life will get better. That's, that's really the important thing because uh, you want to 
you know, they're great now for steaks, chickens. Uh, I used it for turkey, you know, for brisket. I don't know that there's one that, that will, will hold out for a 12-hour smoke at this <laughs> point. But we'll get there. Stephen Reichland joining us here on the show, barbecuebible.com's website, of course. Two questions here before I let you go, and appreciate the time as always, Stephen. Uh, 2020's most surprising food trend, and it can be in the live fire sector, or it can just be in general. It's been a weird year, but what was the most surprising food trend to you? Well, the most surprising was the bacon-wrapped Oreo, uh, which uh, seemed to explode uh, in the blogosphere. And I guess you could deep fry it or I guess, you know, you could indirect grill it. Uh, you know, I get it, sweet and salty, uh, and it looks kind of cool. But nonetheless, I'm not sure that that's something that, you know, uh, Escoffier or Julia Child or James Beard could have foreseen. But I'm sure glad I live to see it. Uh, trends for 2021, you know, I'm hoping a year from now we will all be getting ready for big family dinners uh, with our friends, with our families, having all been vaccinated, and that COVID-19 will be a uh, uh, a bad memory, but, uh, you know, a thing of the past. All right. You can find him over at barbecuebible.com. You find him on the third Tuesday of every month right here on the show. Stephen, I wish you a great rest of the holiday season, a happy new year, and you we'll too. see you on the third Tuesday in January of 2021. I look forward to it. You do a great job. So thanks, everybody. All right. Happy holidays. There he is, Stephen Reichlin right there. And we will see him in the new year. Stephen Reichlin on my show, by the way. Did you know that? He's on my show. That's right. Not on your show. Maybe he appears as a guest sometimes on you, but he's on my show. A regular contributor right here on the Barbecue Central Show. Uh, so we'll see how it goes from a 2021 standpoint. You know, my predict, well, we got predictions coming up with Robin. Potentially, we got a whole, a we might have an hour with Robin. We'll see. Uh, some of the gifts, once again, the poultry shears, A5 from Crowd Cow, if you want. The brisket chronicles from Stephen Reichlin. And then he's. Pretty high on the wireless meat thermometers. Uh, look, when I was on the uh, the barbecue talk show over in the UK, and you watched it, you can't find the archives anywhere because I think I took so much of a shit on the meter that they pulled it off of the internet. But I can only give you my experience of dealing with those people. However, with Malcolm Reed's positive... Stephen Reichlin being positive. The guys on the barbecue talk show were positive about it. Might have to start to regroup a little bit, come around on my thinking. We'll see how it goes. I want those to be great. If Fireboard is down with the wireless tech, then I'm going to be way more of a believer and a buyer at that point than I am right now. I'm still a little skeptical. Color me skeptical. My Fireboard works boss. All right, barbecuebible.com is Stephen's website. Check him out. Third Tuesday of the month right here on this show as well. Andy Staples is in the green room. We'll get to him here in just a second. I'll talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers. That's right. Sign up for the newsletter so you can get great shipping and specials on all of his products. Everything at bigpapasmokers.com has been pitmaster approved by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself. From the award-winning rubs and sauces to the American-made grills and smokers. 13 perfectly balanced flavors. You know they're my favorite rub. Nobody gets more rubs sent to them than me, unsolicited. And I've said, you know what? F it. I'm just sticking with the stuff that I know and love. That's the Big Papa stuff. So you can enjoy flavors like sweet money and regular money and cattle prod and cash cap double secret steak rub. Just a few. Also, they own Granny's Barbecue Sauce. So if you want a go-to sauce that works well right out of the bottle, it's great. If you want a good base sauce that you can mess around with, you can go ahead and make that your base. Tinker till your heart's content. Aside from the sauces and rubs, they got smokers and grills. That's right. If you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out that Mac 2 Star General Pellet Grill. Big Papa's the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. 
It's clear that Big Pop is the place to go for all things barbecue. Everything on the website, hand-selected, to help you barbecue better than the rest. Boost your skills with the help of Big Papa Smokers. Call them if you have questions, 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop the website, bigpapasmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A, smokers.com. We are back with Andy Staples right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And this portion brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can get an Amazon.com as well if you want. But I say try first going to either a dealer or go directly to cookingpellets.com and hook up with the best pellets out there. Uh, my next guest first appeared on the show October 17th of 2017. He's widely considered to be the main authority when it comes to covering the world of college football, and he does it for The Athletic. And he also hosts the Andy Staples Show and Friends podcast, which can be found on your various podcast platforms. Tonight we're talking about a wager that he came out ahead on, and quite frankly, I thought it was a sucker's bet when we initially made it via the tweeter. So let's go ahead and get after it. We race to the hotline. And welcome back, Andy Staples, to the show. Hey, Andy. What's up, Greg? I I, I did think I was losing that bet. Week one of the NFL season, I thought I was I was done. I, <laughs> I, I, was, I was ready to just order your brisket and send it to you, and then the Browns caught fire. It's uh, it's it, it's love of it's of the likes I couldn't possibly conceive. I and people, well, why would you take a dump all over the Browns? They were really on the come last year, and uh, blah. I've seen and heard since 1999 how the next like our, our favorite time of year was the draft, right? That was the thing that Browns fans yeah. could really you cling to. We're going to have a great draft next year. Remember? But it never panned out in the coaching. But we'll get into that stuff here in just a second. Before we get into that, let me ask you a question. You know, the last time you were on this show, uh, I told you about the Barbecue Hall of Fame, which I believe you immediately laughed at. I said that Guy Fieri was in there, blah, blah, blah. You were unaware that the Barbecue Hall of Fame existed, which many people are completely unaware of. But did you know I was. that after your appearance on this show in late 2017, months later, you would actually wind up being part of the inaugural class that made up the fir- the very first Barbecue Central Show guest Hall of Fame? How about that? What? Yes. That's amazing. Yes, one of our embedded correspondents, who is Honor. no longer with the show, made a great case for you. He he fell in love with you right off the bat. There were a lot of technical things that led up to your interview that you probably didn't know about, but basically the show was off the air for like the first 14 minutes, and then at minute 15, boom, we just came right back on. You were there, and we meshed, and, and away we went. But on the strength of that alone, you are into the Barbecue Central Show Guest Hall of Fame. <laughs> that is beautiful. I, I, I solved your IT issues unknowingly. <laughs> yes, that's right. Is this the first Hall of Fame of any sort that you've been a part of, or is this oh, just one of the many? 100%. Really? This is 100% the first Hall of Fame I have ever been a part of. Uh, I've been thrown out of a few Hall of Fame inductions, dinners. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I've had to cover some of those, but I mean, no, I've never actually been a part of one. And I, I got to say, I am, I'm touched. All right. Inaugural class to boot. So you're, you're right in there, right from the beginning. Um, are you familiar with Meathead at AmazingRibs.com? I am. Yep. Do you know what you both have in common? Uh, other than a love of smoked meat. Of course. And we're both fairly big guys because I've, I've seen pictures. What? Yes. <laughs> journalism majors from the University of Florida. Wow. He yes. came up with such a better way to use his degree than I did. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, genius. So, 
that 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 means he is the probably the second most successful journalism grad at the University of Florida behind Bob Vila. I was going to say behind you, but I mean, I guess we're no. splitting hairs at this point. I mean, it, it it goes Bob Vila, Meathead, Aaron Andrews. I think that's that's how we're going to go. Bob Vila, this old house, Bob Vila. Yes, but he's not a journalist. Yeah, but he made a lot more money than I did. <laughs> yeah. so I'll take it. Oh, so okay, so we're gauging popularity of journalism in what's in the bank, more or less. Yeah, listen, I didn't need to major in journalism. That, that that didn't help me get a job in journalism. They were like, "Where have you written? What have you done?" And fortunately, the the University of Florida has a, an incredible school newspaper called the Independent Florida Alligator. That's where I learned to do what I do, and that's how I got jobs. And uh, it, it was fantastic, but. If I had known that I could have gone into barbecue as a career, if anybody told me that was even a possibility, I mean, it's nice to go get the, you know, go to football games for a living, but cooking barbecue for a living is probably even better. Yeah. Uh, as I had mentioned at the top, you cover college football for the athletic. How has this year covering the sport been for you, both positive and, and negative? I, I'm glad they're playing. It's been, it's been a tough year and, just the months of will they play? How will they play? Is this even going to happen? That was that was pretty pretty rough, and yep. I felt bad for all the the people I write about the the athletic directors, the coaches, the players, all those people because they didn't know. And you kept asking them questions like, "Look, I don't know what's going to happen." And they they've gone through a bunch, getting tested over and over and over to get to play. The players wanted to play; they they wanted to have a season. And, you know, in varying degrees, they've had one. It kind of depends on what part of the country you're in. Uh, you're from Big Ten country. It's been a lot more oh, yeah. trying for them than, than it has anywhere else. But I, I'm glad they got it done. I'm also going to be glad when this one's over because, you know, the vaccines are coming out. There's hope on the horizon. I'd like to see a normal season next year. This one, you know, it, it, it'll be nice and they'll crown a national champion and maybe there'll be some good games in the playoff. But I, I just I think it's. It's done what it needed to do, and it's time to, to move on to the next one. Andy Staples joining me here on the show from The Athletic. Do you think anything will carry over to next normal season that was introduced during the COVID timeframe? I, I am praying the flexible scheduling does because previously college you know, college athletic directors said, oh, wait, we need like 10 years to schedule a college football game. We're going to schedule them 10 years in advance. Well, this year... Perhaps the best game of the year, BYU at Coastal Carolina, was scheduled on two days' notice. Coastal Carolina was supposed to play Liberty. Liberty calls, they're like, we got some COVID problems, so uh, we can't come. And they're like, hey, BYU, you want to you wanna drive your semi from Provo and just show up here in Conway, South Carolina? Hopefully, by the way, barbecue tangent here, hopefully they stopped at, at Rodney Scott's place in Hemingway, South Carolina, because hopefully. that is uh, – an institution and it is not far from Conway, South Carolina. In fact, the first time I went to, to Scott barbecue in Hemingway, I was on my way to Conway. Huh. Nice. Um, so let's go ahead and get into it here. So months ago, the NFL season gets underway and we make a bet of brisket where I said the Browns would win five or less games. You championed the Browns, said they would win six or more. You didn't say that, but obviously that's the side you were going to be taking. And then I, I did think they were going to be good this year because they were the trendy pick last year and they fell on their faces. But the same reasons why they were the trendy pick last year made them potentially good this year. So I was like, all right, they don't have to be great. They just have to be slightly below average. I can <laughs> handle that. By, so by... People dumped on me heavily when I said five or less. And I said, okay, well, you, you had, you know, the two years prior to that, Baker Mayfield comes in, uh, two or three games in the season, whatever it was. And I think they ended up, you know, winning seven games or, you know, whatever it was. They make right. Freddie Kitchens the head coach the they next year. The yeah, yeah. This exactly. is the fall on your face that you're talking about. And I said, hey, these are my Browns that I have become accustomed to. I've seen every single bad sports moment in Cleveland live and in person. The drive against Denver, I, I the fumble the against the, the Bills, uh, the shot in Richfield Coliseum. Saw it all live as a youth. 
So losing on the highest levels was like burned into my soul. So there was no surprise when the Browns fell on their face last year. And then when everybody was taught, well, you know, you got OBJ and it's going to, what's going to be different? Yet another new coach, yet another new uh, offensive scheme that the quarterback is going to, we've had 78 quarterbacks. There's nothing in my head that says they're going to be able to squeak out more. Five, I thought was a gift. There were plenty of years when I said three or less, and they won one or zero. So uh, I was really feeling myself and thinking that a brisket was headed my way. But obviously, you have a little bit more experience on the football side of things and saw through the myopic murk that I live in. Listen, you, you've earned that distrust of the Browns. I, I, I don't blame you one bit. If I had lived through that, I would feel the same way. I grew up a South Carolina football fan. And, and so Gamecocks fans understand, you know, until I was in high school, they had never won a bowl game. They played they played football for over 100 years before they won a bowl game. Wow. So I, I understand the concept of being kicked in the stomach by your team pretty much on an annual basis. When you look at where the Browns are, uh, they lose a heartbreaker last night to, uh, to, to Baltimore, which is a double kick in the balls because it's Baltimore, which used to be the Cleveland Browns, of course. Do you think a lot of the Browns' success has to do almost singularly with Kevin Stefanski and what he has instituted with the team? I think he, he understands what what they do well. I, I think part of it is, listen, when you have a guy like Miles Garrett, when you have an elite pass rusher, that makes everything easier defensively, that, that everybody else's job becomes easier. But also... When you have a running game like they have, their, their offensive line is pretty good. And I'll take Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And that, that travels. You know, you, don't, that you can win in non-fluky ways with guys like that. And I think that's what it is. Now, when you see them play against some of the better teams, it doesn't always translate. But, I mean, look, what they did to the Titans a couple weeks ago, that looks like a team that, that can be a playoff team, that could even win a game in the playoffs. So they're, they're right there knocking on the door. Now, unfortunately, Monday night they had uh, some issues with uh, Lamar Jackson, who had something knocking on the door, and he left, uh, left the field of play, and Trace McSorley came in, and then he came back and, and led the Ravens to victory. But, you know, listen, if you can take the Cleveland Browns to the Super Bowl and then beat the Cleveland Browns, then you're doing all right. Do you think last night that they got – too much into the pass and got away from the run a little bit? Or do you think it was more the fact that uh, for weeks, Lamar uh, has been nowhere to be found and then he just reemerged and found himself, albeit at the Browns' expense? I think both teams were just taking what the defenses were, were giving them at the time. There was no defense, uh, right? I mean, Lamar, both teams score 40-plus points. Exactly. There's no defense, I mean, right? If I'm, if I'm the Browns, I'm not really running the ball because I can chuck it down the field and, and make chunk plays over and over and over again. And then, you know, for the Ravens, Lamar running was working, but when they needed him to throw, he was very effective at yep. the end. So, and that's the thing, and... But I, I just I, I will forever love the Browns. Now I grew up a Dolphins fan, and I've kind of fallen out of. Like, I don't have an NFL team anymore, really. I just kind of follow different players and coaches. But I'm forever a Browns fan because I got to smoke a wagyu brisket, which is probably something I never would have tried to do on my own. I never would have thought I'm going to spend this money because I'm afraid of cooking brisket, terrified of cooking brisket because it's hard. Yep. You know, I, I'm I'm from the South. I'm from pulled pork country. Smoking pork butts is the easiest thing in the world. Anybody can smoke a pork butt. It doesn't take much skill. And so I love doing that. I love doing spare ribs. These are, you know, low degree of difficulty. I, I you know, ventured out into pork belly burn ins during the pandemic, yep. during the lockdown period. Uh, but to have this beautiful marbled brisket. And, but the thing is, if I do it again, I may smoke a, a waggy brisket again because. It is so marbled that it almost is like that that idiot proof like the the pork is because it's hard to dry it out. And you know, like the the pictures I took of it when I took it off, people are like, "Why are you cutting it lengthwise?" I'm like, "Not, I'm not. It's falling apart. <laughs> it's like a pork pie. I, I feel like I should pull this thing." And so I I want to try that again because I think 
I think I let it get too hot. I, I cooked it to what I would cook a standard brisket yeah. to, which was like 203. Yeah, yeah. And I would like to do it about eight degrees cooler and see if it doesn't fall apart. But it tasted amazing. And the burn ends that I made when I when I sliced off the point, mm. oh, they were tremendous. Those what are you? Are, uh, what flavor profile? I, I, I are had burn in sandwiches. Um, so I am with brisket. I am very basic. I just I just want to do salt and pepper. I, I don't want anything because because I feel like the the beef will handle that. Like if I'm doing pork, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little on the sweeter side. I want the sweet and savory. But with brisket, I feel like the just salt and pepper. You will get a little, I don't, I guess it's caramelization. I'm not exactly sure what the scientific reasoning for it is, but you get a kind of natural sweetness out of that. And I don't feel like you need to do much more than that. Uh, I used oak chunks. I, I, I just have a big green egg. I don't have a, a fancy setup, but, but I, you know, I obviously I've been to Texas enough times to know post oak if you're cooking brisket and uh, that, that imparts, I think the right flavor on it too. And, and it gives it a little sweetness, but then the, the salt and pepper just that I don't feel like you need to do anymore. Was there anybody that was at your house eating this? Somebody that was not necessarily a brisket fan to begin with. And then they gave this one a shot and were immediately converted. Cause what I have found is this, you know, I have three daughters, one's in college, uh, sophomore. I got a senior in high school. I got a freshman in high school being who I am has, immediately made them what I would call meat bitches, which is uh, snobs, <laughs> in other words. So if it's not right. prime or better, the nose goes up. And the, what the hell is this? You know, the, tell Kevin like, this, to this send us hasn't this. hasn't been dry aged for yeah, 30 days. Right. So, you know, <laughs> this is this is like the blessing and the curse of the higher end meat. So did you have somebody that, that tried it and was like, oh, this is it? My my wife is not normally she she does like steak but she's not normally any other kind of beef fan and her exact words were nothing should be this good <laughs> so I mean it, and and the thing was she so she's allergic to tomatoes so she couldn't even try the burn ends because the burn ends had some some sauce on them yep. but the brisket I mean she just she just sat there and picked at it for like an hour and a half good so and well worth it. Was, Outstanding! No, it was it was outstanding, and the the place that you got it from, uh, I believe, is a butcher shop in Pensacola, yep. uh, Florida. I will call them again if I need anything because that that was outstanding. Let's go ahead and end here. I got a list from Robert Moss, who is uh, actually sits on the, oh, the board yeah. of living, uh, baby. the Barbecue Hall of Fame, believe it or not, and the names thing. Um, so he's just put out the top ten best colleges in the South. As it relates to barbecue, and I would figure okay. if anybody is more of an authority than Robert Moss, it's got to be you since this is your wheelhouse here. Uh, number 10 is Southern Methodist University, and he cites Pecan Lodge or Pecan Lodge and Slow Bone yep. and Cattleback, which isn't too far north from there. Uh, that's 10 Cadillac, on the Yeah, Cadillac's a little bit of a drive. Lockhart Smokehouse and, and Pecan Lodge are very close to, to SMU. Uh, so no, I, I can live with that. Number nine is East Carolina University in Greensville. Oh, yeah. Bee's Barbecue in Greenville, but then the Skylight Inn in Aiden is only about a 20-minute drive away. Right. Uh, he also notes Sam Jones Barbecue, which is obviously the son uh, and the or family, grand, yes. yep, There you go. Uh, number eight is Catawba College in Salisbury, North Carolina. Yeah, my North Carolina barbecue knowledge is pathetic. And the reason is the football teams in North Carolina have not been good enough. Yes, no doubt. They just have not. Like every once in a while, I get to go up there. Like when Russell Wilson was at NC State, I got to go up there and do a story. Uh, and I go, ever go to Chapel Hill every once in a while. But like, I, I still haven't been to Lexington Barbecue. That I, I, and it's a it's a big problem. But you know, like the one time I went to Chapel Hill, I went over to Greenville actually to meet Lincoln Riley, who was the OC at East Carolina. He's now the head coach at Oklahoma, but that was the first time I got to go to Skylight Inn, hmm. and thank goodness for that. Uh, seven is a tie between Rice and the University of Houston. Yeah, okay, so where Houston barbecue is, is pretty spread out, because uh, now Pinkerton is 
kind of close to downtown. So that, that would be fairly close to U of H. Um, but you got to go out to Pearland for Killens. So the, the problem with Houston is it's just so big and, you know, it, it, you're driving a long way. But I'll, I understand the Houston Metroplex has great barbecue. This is the only one that I seem to have a problem with. I, I have no concept of geography, especially anywhere outside of Ohio and specifically regional Cleveland. The the amount of great barbecue restaurants that are that he just mentioned, Fiji's, Ray's Barbecue, Ragel's, Papa Charlie's, Triple, Blood Brothers, Truth, Killens, as you had mentioned, Tejas, Chocolate. There's no way that this tie should be at seventh. This should be a tie for second place. Uh, third, maybe, yeah. but seventh is way down the list. Those are some of the biggest names in Texas for barbecue. Well, and that's the thing that the Texas cities have such a concentration, especially the big cities in Texas have such a concentration of good barbecue places. The, the rest of the states really can't compete. Uh, so sixth is the University of Memphis. So you have barbecue well, shop, I mean, uh, A&R, interstate. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, uh, all, all of the biggies. Fifth is Vanderbilt in Nashville, of course. Uh, let me ask you Nashville something. Nashville barbecue, it's funny. Yeah, it's not. Nashville is not a great barbecue town. It's like it's uh it's almost like Cleveland. There's like three really good barbecue spots in town. Except I feel yeah. like Nashville feels like they should be more respected in barbecue because they're in the South. Well, it's weird because Nashville's a great food town. Yes. But it is not a great barbecue town, if that makes sense. So you have like Martin's and Peg Leg Porker and all that, but it, it you would you should have more iconic places in a city of that size in the South. That's that's just all I'm thinking. Uh, number four, University of South Carolina. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, so Columbia, <laughs> uh, South Carolina, my my hometown. Yep. I was born two miles from campus at, at Baptist Hospital in, in Columbia. Wow. And so it, South Carolina barbecue, in, obviously it has its, its regions, but in the Midlands, your typical barbecue restaurant is a buffet, mm. which is, I, I wonder... I haven't obviously haven't got a chance to go there since COVID, but the, the, the barbecue buffet concept is not as widespread anywhere else. And it's just, it's one of those things where that as a kid, you, you could go and, and, you know, depending on what time of day you went, cause they put ribs on the buffet at night, but not at lunch, mm-hmm. but you could always get pulled pork and you get chicken. And, um, you know, the, the ones in Columbia are pretty good, but if you really want to see, the best of that format, you go down to, to Holly Hill, South Carolina, which is about an hour south, and there's a place called Sweatman's. They're only open Friday and Saturday, whole hog, you know, the, the rest of the week, they're basically cutting down trees to, to feed the smokers. So uh, it's a, it is a, an experience unlike any other. Uh, third is the University of Alabama. So obviously Dreamland uh, comes into play. Have Not you eaten a Dreamland? Dreamland? No. Never? I have been to Dreamland. Dreamland uh, was good. It got to a point where I think it, it it changed ownership and got too big too fast. And it's just if you go to Dreamland on a random Tuesday, it's it's fine. Yeah. If you try to go on an Alabama game day or the day before, they're going to hand you a bunch of dry ribs because they've just cranked the heat to to move units. The place to go in it's it's not in Tuscaloosa; it's actually in Northport, which is the town one town over uh, on Martin Luther King. It's called Archibald's. It looks like some guy's house, and it is my favorite ribs in America. Really? Wow. Yes. All right. Uh, number two is the College of Charleston in Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah. My, my Rodney Scott, the guy I mentioned, yep. doing doing stuff there that uh, they've got some, uh, I believe one of the original guys from Franklin Barbecue has has opened a place yeah, there. Lewis. So Lewis Barbecue. Uh, and, and, uh, and I'll give a shout out to, to my dad's favorite place because he grew up in Charleston. Uh, and this is a place that the snob, the barbecue snobs probably aren't, aren't huge fans of. But Robert's Barbecue, uh, little mustard based pulled pork sandwiches. That was what I was raised on. If we had, you know, if we if we said we were having barbecue, that was what you had. You had a pulled pork sandwich with mustard based sauce. Yeah, I love mustard based sauce, by the way. Have you ever had uh, Reverend Marvin's mustard sauce by chance? I have not. No? All right. I, I don't even that. know if that's even out anymore, but it was quite a hit when I first got into the scene. Uh, number one for best barbecue on campus, University of Texas in Austin goes without saying, of course. Well, yeah. 
Of course. Hard to lose. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it's pretty, it's pretty hard when you've got, you know, 10 iconic places within two, like a two square mile area. It's, yeah. it, it's, a, it's insane. I mean, that, you, you've got Franklin, you've got La Barbecue, you've got Style Switch, you've got Micklethwaite, you've got, you've got Leroy and Lewis. I mean, it, that, that's a, you just can't go wrong. Nope. Nope. No doubt. Um, all right. Last question before I let you go and appreciate the time, Andy. Agree or disagree? Onions in any form are the worst. I hate raw onions. They 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 make me gag. I can live yes. with cooked onions, but you put a raw onion in like when you order pizza as back in the day, and they'd accidentally throw an one onion in there when they were putting the toppings on, it would ruin the entire pizza. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, finally, I found somebody that is also opposed to onions, mostly in the raw form. Uh, only cooked only under protest unless it's at my house and then I just won't eat it. But if I'm at somebody else's house and it's cooked under protest, yeah, but raw you, onions, F that. Nice. Like you can get it food. down. Yeah. You know, people say I have a four-year-old palate, but I mean, if I don't like onions, you know, fuck off. I don't care. It's my house. We, so, we can talk about mayo later. You don't, you like mayo or no? No. No? Gag reflex activated if it, if it even really? touches it. Did you have a food experience it, with mayo? Yes, when I was in uh, daycare, the sam- the bologna sandwiches they handed out had mayo on them, and I hated it. And I, but they were like, "You will eat this." So I lost a bet earlier this season on my podcast, and uh, I it was a uh, what was it? It was NC State beat Pittsburgh. I had bet on Pittsburgh, and my co-host had bet on NC State, and I had to eat a spoonful of mayonnaise. So I, I went out and bought Duke's mayonnaise, which was supposed to be the best, and I'm thinking, okay. Maybe I can get this down. Maybe I'll, it's better. It's everybody says it's better than other mayonnaise. And so he picks out this giant spoon for me to use, and I get it right, and I just gag. Wow. It's it is as close as you can come to vomiting on video as as you'll get. Wow. So your mayo is uh, is like my Jägermeister uh, for no good reason. Uh, yeah, you know, very, like if I smell it or I I taste yeah. it, like immediately I want to vomit. I get it. So uh, when is uh, the Andy Staples show coming out on podcast? You uh, releasing every week or when you feel like it? What do you do? We are during the football season, Sunday mornings, Wednesday mornings, Friday mornings. Uh, and then once football season ends, we're going to shift to a regular Monday, Wednesday, Friday uh, distribution. But uh, yeah, it's three days a week and, and we have a lot of fun. We talk college football. We rank things that sometimes have nothing to do with college football. We had a great mall food court food ranking a few weeks ago that was, uh, it was spectacular. I learned my co-host is a complete psychopath, but it, it was good. Uh, you can find him also at Andy underscore Staples on the Twitter. Give him a follow. Well worth it, especially if you like college football and food. He's a good one to go back and forth with. Andy, really appreciate the time tonight. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, and thank you for the brisket. Thank you, Baker Mayfield. Thank you, Miles Garrett. That's I love right. you. All right, we'll see you later. There he is. Andy Staples right there. Winning the bet, by the way. All right, we went long for that, but that was good. Andy Sta- Oh, wait, hold on. Andy Staples on the show, so let's see. Uh, 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 by the way, The Athletic is who he writes for. Andy underscore Staples on the tweeter. Winning the Wagyu non-crossbred Wylara brisket. All right, uh, let me talk to you quickly about Pits and Spits. Since 1983, they've been handcrafting smokers and grills in Houston. In that time, Pits and Spits has established itself as one of the premier brands in high-quality offset smokers. And more recently, pellet cookers. Pits and Spits sets itself apart by using Heaven 7 and 10 gauge stainless steel in every cook, fully welded construction that you can feel with every unit. 304 stainless roll top lids and front shelves on every single smoker. Why does it matter? Well, by using higher quality materials, Pits and Spits smokers reach and maintain temperatures, allowing you to worry more about the meat than the heat and providing fully welded smokers. Now you don't have to worry about the grease and the smoke rolling out of the barrel and the grill rattling apart as you move it through the backyard. 304 stainless gives you an heirloom quality product that you can pass down to the kids. When we talk about low-cost providers, Pits and Spits isn't even interested in any of that. Are there cheaper ways to make their stuff? Yes, but they don't like tack weld, cheap stainless, electronics that you can't trust. Having in-house manufacturing gives them complete control of the design and standards. It's not something you find with stuff brought in from overseas. 
Their steel supplier supplies material to be used in some of the harshest environments around, so they will perform in any condition. Are their controllers made in the U.S.? Yes. So they have unimpeded transparency into their programming. Call Pits and Spits if you want to ask them any questions and you don't have a dealer near you. At Pits and Spits. Dot com is their handle on social. The phone number, 844-650-6250. That's 844-650-6250. Whether you're a backyard grill master looking to cook steaks for the family or a competition team looking to smoke 50 racks of rib, Pits and Spits is the product for you. Check out all their products at their website, pitsandspits.com. All spelled out, that's pitsandspits.com. We're back to wrap the first hour and get into the second quickly. Stick around, be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion brought to you by Fireboard 2 and Fireboard 2 Drive and Fireboard 2 Pro with the thermocouples. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck because Fireboard 2 and Drive fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com. Or call 816-945-2232. That's 816-945-2232. It's Fireboard 2. All right, we thank Andy Staples again for joining me, writing for The Athletic, covering their college football scene, at Andy underscore Staples on the Twitter if you want to give him a follow. We also thank Stephen Reichland for joining me in the first interview segment. And we are late. Let's get to that second hour, shall we? Stick around. We'll be right back. 